Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Things, different things to think about. Uh, and I came across an article that actually looked at 10 of the most common phobias. 10 of the most common phobias. Now you might actually be able to relate with some of these. So excuse me if I don't pronounce it right because some of these words are quite long. So number one, arachnophobia, fear of spiders. Number two, aphidiophobia, the fear of snakes. I'm a big fear of snakes. Anyone afraid of snakes? I hate snakes. Uh, number three, acrophobia, the fear of heights. Number four, necrophobia, uh, the fear of death or dead things. Number five, cynophobia, the fear of dogs. Number six, uh, claustrophobia, the, the fear of confined spaces. Number seven, this is a bit of a weird one, chorophobia, the fear of clowns. Fear of clowns, yeah. Number eight, uh, pediophobia, the fear of dolls. Uh, number nine, the fear of hemophobia, which is blood. And lastly, number ten, the uh, glossophobia, which is the fear of public speaking, which is actually quite uh, a common one I, I actually hear. So, yeah, quite ironic, really. Uh, so when I was thinking about fear, I was thinking, well, you know, which way do I take this? Because this, this is such a wide subject, you know, there's so many different things. And when I was thinking about it, I was thinking, you know what? Actually, when you think about life, there's what you'd say, what I would say, good fear, and there's also bad fear. You may think, well, what do you mean? Well, you're good fear, bad fear. Well, if you, you know, let's take this situation. Let's say you're walking along a pavement, you know, you're walking somewhere, and all of a sudden a car uh, is driving fast and swerves right onto the pavement where you are standing. Because you are fearful, there's a reaction from you and you jump out of the way of the car. See, that's a good type of fear. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd be safe. You know, you would, you would avoid the car hitting you. You know, that's what we call a fight or flight response. It's in that, you know, that quick moment when danger comes to you. You know, your, your heart rate goes faster. You feel uh, adrenaline running through your veins. You, you get a bit hot and sweaty and there's a reaction straight away. Now, when we look at bad fear, it's quite similar, but actually it's over a prolonged period of time. So in the short term, that fight or flight response is really good because it creates a response. But let's say, for example, let's say you've been fearing over a a, a circumstance or something in your life uh, and you're fearing over it day by day, hour by hour, uh, minute by minute. What happens is you're having this adrenaline, you're having a a higher heart rate, you're having all these effects. And actually, what was good in the short term creates a bad effect in your body in the long term. That's what happens when your body starts to wear down, your mind starts to go different places. And actually, what was good in the short term is actually in the long term become a really, really bad bad thing. So that's good fear versus bad fear. In more recent times, we've seen an increase in what we call anxiety disorders. So, you know, so you've seen, you've heard of people with uh, different um, uh, mental illnesses or psychological illnesses and actually an increase in what we call anxiety disorders. Uh, From the research that I've found, there's actually more than 8 million people in the UK that are affected by anxiety disorders. It's when someone has such a strong irrational fear that it stops them from moving forward so for example uh, I worked as a teaching assistant in a school um, for uh, children who were had Asperger's and uh, were on the autistic scale 
Um, and coupled with that, they also had anxiety disorders. So there was one student that I used to work with that he had a really big fear of uh, like illness, of seeing people being sick, being ill. And he had such a big fear of it that he would not get in the car with people he didn't know. So the reason behind that is because he thought this person, you know, it's unlikely to happen. But in his mind, this person, they, they could get ill in the car, they could throw up, they could be sick. And it was such a big thing in his mind that actually he it limited in that place to mean that he wouldn't get in the car with other students and he wouldn't go out on trips. It actually debilitated him and he couldn't move forward. See, the thing is about fear, I believe that maybe for some of us in our lives, that God wants us to take us from one place to the next place. But because we have fear in our life, we say, God, no, I can't go there. And you're stuck in this place. And you're thinking, how am I going to get over there? And it's fear that is staying you, is keeping you in that place. So it's what I'm going to talk about over the next 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, I'm going to have a look at two reasons, two of the main reasons that I think of why we fear. But before I go into that, I just want to talk a bit about Moses, one of my uh, favorite characters in the Bible. So for those of you who don't know, Moses um, uh, was one of God's people uh, in Israelite, but he actually grew up up, um, in Egypt as royalty, but then he uh, escaped and spent a lot of time away uh, from, from Egypt in the wilderness. And actually there was this one moment where uh, Moses came across this bush. You know, he sees this bush, it's on fire, you know, it's, it's, it's burning, but it's not burning up, it's not disintegrating, it's not disappearing. And he actually finds that God was speaking to him through this burning bush. So, you know, it's, it's, it's got this situation where this voice is coming outside of this bush and, and, and God's speaking to Moses, he's saying, Moses, my people, the Israelites, they are in captivity. They are in Egypt, they're in slavery, I've been hearing them. They've been calling out for my name. They've been under oppression. You know, they've been beaten. They've been put unfair circumstances. They've been crying out to me for years. I've got this great vision for you, Moses. He says, Moses, what I want you to do is to go down to Pharaoh and to ask him to let my people go. And I've got this great place, this land, amazing land flowing with milk and honey. You know, the best place you could think about. Think about your haven, your, your best place in your life. This is, this is what God was picturing for these people. You know, coming out of slavery into an amazing, abundant, full land. And we pick up the story here in Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. It's come up on the screen. It says, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. First number point, why do we fear? We fear because we have a poor self-image. You know, God had painted this amazing picture to Moses. He said, Moses, I want to use you in an amazing way. Look, I've got all these, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that I want you to rescue, to, to take 
from slavery into an amazing land. I'm going to be with you. I have picked you. I have picked you to do this. He says, I want you to take my people into the land that I have promised them. And Moses turns around and says, I'm not the right person. Can't you pick someone else? You know, he's saying, he's saying look, I can't speak. I, I, you know, I've, I've never had lessons in speaking in front of people. Never mind speaking in front of a pharaoh. You know, I've never been trained for this. I never asked for this. You know, why are you picking me? And I think so many times in our lives, we can do the same thing. You know, sometimes we can get into situations and God asks you to do something. And you're like, God, I'm not fit for this. God, are you, have you got the right person? I'm not skilled for this. But God says, I made you. I know you actually better than you know yourself. You know, I know you more than anyone else. I've picked you for this purpose. So many times in our life, we have a poor self-image. We think, I can't do this. Just as Moses said, you know, he said, I can't speak in front of people. You know, he was refusing God's word over his life. There was one time in my life that I can remember particularly that I had a similar response to Moses. See, as, as a teenager, when I was uh, about 16, 17, um, I was part of a church in Birmingham that my mum and dad were, were running. And we have to understand that at that point, we didn't have a, a youth ministry. We didn't have uh, anything for, for, for young people, really. And at and that, that time, my mum and dad had spoken to me as well as a couple of other people. And I felt God speak to me about uh, setting up a youth program with two other people. At that time, I was like, God, I... I've got no idea how to do this. I've never done anything like this before. Some of the young people that will be in the group will be older than me. How could I do this? It's crazy to think about. I was thinking, God, why would you pick me? I've never done something like this before. Uh, and there was a verse that really, really helped me for this situation. You might know it's from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. It says, don't, look, uh, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now, I felt like God was saying, you know what? Don't make any excuses. I see your heart. I see your, your skills. I see what, where you are. Don't let it be a, an excuse for you. But, but be an example for other people. You know what? You can, set, you can replace that word for whatever your situation is here tonight. You know what? We could say, we can read that again and say, don't let anyone look down on you because you are old or because you don't have a job or because you feel like you don't look as great as the next person or because you don't think you have a great gifting or ability or because you don't feel you have a very good job you know whatever situation you're in you know God says don't let that be an excuse we can make these excuses we could say God I'm not the right person you know we can reside in fear and say God you've picked the wrong person but we have to say God you know what you know us better than I know myself. Your plans and purposes are further and higher than I could even imagine. You know me better than anyone else. Amen? Amen. Amen. If we look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31, uh, it shows that God has a habit of doing things that don't make sense to us. It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. 
God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Like I said, we can be in situations where we feel, I'm not qualified for this. I don't have the, the skills, the abilities, the things for this role. But as God, as God says in his word, he uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. What will make sense to us doesn't make sense to God. So what makes sense to God doesn't make sense to us. Sometimes we, we see it going in a different way, but God chooses a different way. Okay, number two. Everyone say number two. How, uh, why do we fear? We have trust issues. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you have trust issues? Now turn to the other person and say, I know I've got trust issues. Now, you might deny it, but I would probably guarantee for almost every person here that in some area we have trust issues. Now, you know, you might have been in that situation before, ever been in a situation where maybe someone has asked you to do something, you say, you know, you know, can you sort this out for me? And you go along to do the job, then 10 minutes later, the person starts checking up, you're saying, are you doing it right? Are you doing this way? Right? Why can't you just trust me just to make sure that I'm doing it right? Anyone sympathize with what, with what I'm saying? You know, maybe, uh, maybe uh, husbands with your wives, maybe wives with your husbands. Maybe, you've, you know, maybe your wife's asked you to do something or maybe uh, your husband's asked you to do something. And then 10 minutes later say, no, you're doing it wrong. You need to do it this way. When actually, why can't you trust me to do it? Go along and, and do it myself. Well, I, you know, I think we do that with God often with our lives. You know, We've been singing, you know, singing, you have no rival, you have no equal. You know, we sing, you know, we sing, uh, uh, God, you can do all things. God, we believe in you. We sing all these things where we're submitting our, our lives to God. And then when it, the rubber hits the road, when the situations come in, we actually put the handbrake on and said, God, what are you doing? God, God, wait a minute. God, look, see, God, what was supposed to happen? is that you were supposed to supply this today. Why, why have you not kept with my schedule? Why have you not done it in this way? Or God, you know, I was supposed to have this job by, by next month. So why, why have you not sorted it yet? You know, if we're going to trust God, we have to trust God that he's going to do it his own way. You know, when you ask God to do something, when you give your life over to God, you know, you've got to, you've got to just, just to submit to him and say, you know what, God... Whatever way you're going to do it, I'm going to trust that you're going to do it in your own way and your own timing. If we look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to, five to 6, so fantastic verses. Uh, love these verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. It doesn't say, you know, make up your mind about what you're going to do in life and make your own decisions and God will make your path straight. No, no, it doesn't say. It says, trust in the Lord. Lean, don't lean on your own understanding. So don't lean on everything that you can work out in your mind. But submit to God and he will make 
your path straight. He will order your life. Not in a way that you would have thought of before, but he will order your steps and order everything in your way. When we lean on our own understanding, we become fearful. See, the thing is, we've got to be honest. You know, if we try to work out things in our own mind, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, we can start thinking, we're thinking, oh no, this, this bill's going to come in next week and how's this going to work through? I've not got the money to supply this bill and, you know, if this happens, then this happens and God, how are you going to do this? But you know what? In those situations, we've just got to say, God, you know what? I don't know how it's going to happen, but God, I submit everything to your hand, knowing that you see everything, you hold everything in your hands. And if it's your purpose and plan, then you will make it pass. Amen? Amen. So there, there were just two points. Uh, so there was two points about why do we fear. I've got two points on how do we practically overcome fear. How do we practically overcome fear? So number one, develop your relationship with God. Develop your relationship with God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to get a relationship. You know, we, we all know in our own lives, you can't get any sort of trust out of anyone without developing a relationship. You see, you know, it would be, it would be pointless for me to think, you know, uh, with me and jo- Joanna, if, if I didn't spend any time with her, if we didn't have time together, if I didn't share my heart, my thoughts, my uh, secrets, my life with her, then she wouldn't have any trust in me. You know, I wouldn't have any trust in her if I didn't speak any of these things outwardly and openly. It's the same thing that goes with God. You know, if we're going to develop a relationship with God, we've got to build that trust up. You know, that trust only comes through talking day after day, you know, week after week. That, that account with God is saying, God, you know what? This is what's happening today in my life, but I'm trusting you. God, you know, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm fearing today, but God, I trust in you. You've got to develop that relationship with God. You know, one of the things that I've found really useful uh, for my life, and it's actually one of the things that uh, I've learned from, from Julie, which has been fantastic, has been uh, very recently, is confessing uh, Bible verses over your life. You know, the thing is, is that if we're, uh, if we're not careful, we can let our emotions uh, dictate where we're going in life. It can dictate how we're feeling, how, what our productivity is going to be like in the day, you know, what's going to happen. But the thing is, is when you're feeling down, you've just got to confess those great scriptures over your life. Uh, uh, Joanna bought me this, uh, this great little board that I can stick letters on. So what I've got in my, uh, in my windowsill, my bedroom, is just got a Bible verse just to encourage me just on the wall. So every time I open up the curtains, uh, I can see it. It says, uh, for, we, for we live by faith and not by sight. So every morning, if there's, if there's a, a tough situation that I'm in, you know what, God, I'm living by faith, not by sight. You know, God, I know that on the outside, the situation doesn't look great, but God, I know you're working in the background. So I've got faith in you. You know, find those verses, whatever it might be for you. I am fearfully and wonderf- wonderfully made. God, you can do more than I ask, think, or imagine. Find those Bible verses, read them out, declare it over your day, saying, God, your favour is with me today. God, your grace, your mercy is going before me today. God, I know that through you, I am more than a conqueror. Amen. Just declare those things over your life. 
I tell you, you know, it will make a difference how you see everything. You know, when you realize that actually God, God is with you. You know, the creator of heavens and earth. I find that an amazing thought. You know what? There's, there's billions of people on this planet. Billions and billions of people. And God sees my situation. He sees everything and he goes with me. This Holy Spirit goes with me in, in every situation. You know what? When I think about that, when I remind myself of that, my, my perspective change, changes. And I think, you know what? Whatever happens, if God's with me, I can't fail. I can't fail. If I follow God's plan and if I honor him in, in my every step, then I can't, cannot fail. One of the other parts, developing your relationship with God, is committing to praying. You know, this week has been fantastic. Who's enjoyed uh, a week of prayer this week? Yeah. yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. You know, we've had uh, amazing uh, record numbers at our prayer meetings uh, in the mornings, which has been absolutely fantastic. I know many of you have been praying throughout the week and fasting and all these different things. You know what? As we've said before, prayer should always be our first response and not our last resort. You know what? In any situation... You know, it could even be just a, a 30 seconds out of the office, just committed to God. You know, in your heart, in your mind, it could be a, a quick message as you're driving somewhere. You know, just putting God first in that situation. You know, I've, I've got to admit, you know, there's been some times where I felt, you know, really down and really out of it. There was one situation that I can remember myself uh, when I was studying at Mattersea. I was going through a, a really difficult situation and it was really causing me a bit of stress and uh, and, and grief and uh, I, I was finding it really really hard and I, I just made this decision and one day I thought you know what what I'm going to do is is I'm going to fast until I feel better I'm going to fast until, uh, until I feel better it might, it might sound silly I'm going to fast until I feel better so what I did is I started fasting I did one meal did two meals I did one day got through the second day and by the end of the second day I got a breakthrough in my heart, in my situation. I woke, on the, woke up on the third day feeling completely refreshed and completely renewed. You know what? If you commit your things, you quit, commit your circumstances to God in prayer, it can bring a refreshing of your soul. Let me encourage you. If you are going through a situation where you're just finding a, a dead end, I encourage you, commit to fasting, commit to praying. You know, speak with someone. Find a friend that you can talk to and say, you know what, I'm struggling with this. Let's pray together and believe for a breakthrough. Do you know, sometimes you've got to commit to fasting, you know, giving up of food and especially praying to seeing that breakthrough. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. So, uh, secondly, how do we practically overcome fear? Number two, develop relationships around you. Develop relationships around you. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, it says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. I'll read that again. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You know what? Friendships are so, so, so important. You know, I can actually look back uh, to points in my life where I could see that actually I was going off in one direction. And because I had a friend was willing to be honest with me and to tell me the the hard things of where I was going that actually my trajectory in life completely changed you know I can remember there was one time in particular one of my friends from from Massey uh, uh, I was going I was in a really kind of dark moment I was 
really uh, critical, I was really uh, just negative about everything, just coming out with negative comments all the time. And, you know, just one time he just came and pulled me aside and said, Nathan, you know, is everything okay? Because, you know, I've, I've actually realized I've, I've sensed something different in you, that actually there's something going there's something going on in your heart, you know. I've noticed that you've been a bit negative and you've been saying a few comments. And, you know, at the time, that was really difficult for me to hear. You know, I found that really hard to hear. But actually, the next day and the, the few days after that, my moods, you know, I completely changed. I was so much more positive. And that was because I had a friend who was willing to say the hard things to me uh, so that I could change. Uh, In terms of relationships, there are three areas, I believe, that you need in your life. Three types of relationships. So number one, you need someone who can invest into your life. Someone who can invest into your life. So you might, you know, people might call it a mentor or a spiritual mom or spiritual dad or someone you believe is kind of higher up that you can learn from. Uh, You know, that is, is, is so, so important. When I was growing up, uh, as a teenager, it was something that I always craved. I just wanted someone that I could learn from and grow from. But the thing what was it about is that you know I kind of just expected it to fall into my lap. I kind of expected just one day, like this this uh, this middle-aged, older guy, wise guy, just to walk across and say, "Oh, hi, Nathan. Do you want to come along with me and I'll teach you everything?" But yeah, great. Yeah, I go along with him. You know, I thought it was just going to happen straight away. I thought. Well, I don't need to ask, you know, it'll sort it out. You know, it's their responsibility to come and find me and, you know, all that, that kind of situation. But, you know, I've actually realized, obviously, in the last few years or however long that if you want someone who's going to invest into your life, you've got to find them and ask them. You know, you need to go and chase after them for their time. They shouldn't have to come and chase after you for your time. Yeah? So if you want someone who's going to... Uh, you know, invest in you, we may have to teach you, be able to push you forward, then just pray about it. Just pray, God, you know what, God, I want someone who can learn from, someone who can mentor me, who can take me further. God, I pray you'd help me to show the right person. Show me the right person uh, and then just help me to, to, to make it your plan. And if it is, if it's right, it will happen. You know, if it's right, and I believe, you know, this is, this is a God principle. You know, God wants us to to, to, to share wisdom, to, to learn and grow. And if you commit it to God, I believe God will make it happen. So that's the first area, someone you can learn from. Secondly, you need peers around you, people around you that you can share your life with. Yeah. So people that you can share your heart with, share your life. You can say, you know, talk about how things are going in your life. You can uh, share your heartache, share your things. And someone alongside you who can pray with you, can encourage you. If you haven't got that in your life, you know what? I would really, really encourage you, if you are not part of one, just to join a small group. We've got fantastic small groups uh, uh, in, in Arena Church. You know what? What's amazing about small groups is that you can create relationships. You know, you can uh, talk to each other. You can create friendships. Because you know what? The devil, what the devil wants for your life is that you would live in isolation. Yeah? That you would live alone. That... The things that you think about, the things that you worry about, you would keep to yourself and you wouldn't share with anyone else. Because if you don't share it with anyone else, the harsh reality is not going to get any better. The likelihood of it. And, and the devil wants to keep you in isolation. The fantastic thing about small groups is, 
is it takes you out of isolation and it gets you into a group of amazing believers where you can share your heart, you can learn and you can grow together. So I'd encourage you, if you're not part of a small group, you know, uh, talk to one of the leaders or go and uh, talk to someone at a resource hub and join a small group because I believe it would be fantastic for your life. And then thirdly, you need someone you can invest into. You need someone you can invest into. Now this is sometimes can be a bit more difficult, but I believe that you know, just as we call to make disciples uh, of, of all nations out in the world, God calls us to find people that we can invest our lives into. You know, if you're, you know, if whatever age you are, you might think, you know what, what can I share with, with someone else? You've got something to share. You've definitely got something to share. You know what? When I was a teenager, I wanted something from just someone older. Like I, I, I didn't even care, you know, who it was. I just wanted someone just to share their life with me, just to share their heart with me. So I'd encourage you, you know, it doesn't have to be something formal, but you know what? Just something good like finding someone, encouraging them, praying for someone, you know, uh, just giving a word to someone, just giving that constant encouragement. So there's those three areas. Some, someone that uh, can invest into your life, someone on the same level of you, and there's someone that you can invest into. I believe if you get in these areas in your life, then fear will start to uh, leave your life. So I'd just like to uh, just uh, invite the band just to come up, just so we come to, to a close.